0: So we come to, uh, this season of Advent. Um, and we're, we've been in the series for the past couple of weeks. Um, and we come today to, uh, st- we're, we're studying, we're thinking about this idea of the coming peace. Um, and so why don't you go ahead and, if you have a Bible and you want to turn to that passage in Isaiah 9, why don't you go ahead and go there? Um, and I'll meet you there in a second. Um, as we think, uh, as we think in this season about, Christmas and the reality of what Christmas is and the meaning of Christmas, um, and we, we seek to, to understand what does it mean to celebrate this, this idea of, of a child coming and, and being born. Um, so that's what we want to look at tonight. Uh, in November of 2005, uh, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, and uh, I was on my way home, I was in the car, and I got a phone call from her. And I was just pulling into, pulling up to my house and uh, got on the phone with her and, and, and she told me. And she said, here's the deal. Here's what the doctors have found. Here's the situation. Uh, she told me all, all of it. And, and I got off the phone and I just, I just wept. I was just in the car by myself and I just wept and I wept and I wept growing up i was a I was a mama 's boy great relationship with my mom my, my mom I love my mom we get along really 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 well. I walk in the house after I got that phone call and I go up to my wife, Danielle, who's the one who just read and and I tell her and we just we just weep together just cry just broken, so much unknown about what's ahead, so much unknown about. What's the end of this story actually going to be? Maybe you've been there before, just uncertainty. You wish you could see it, but maybe it's good that you can't. You know, that reality like maybe I should know, maybe I shouldn't. And uh, so a couple weeks later, we're at the hospital. The doctor said, uh, This is what we're going to do we're going to go in and we're going to cut out this cancerous tumor. And in the process, we're going to take some of the lymph nodes to make sure that it hasn't spread. And so, if you've been in any scene like this before, there's just a herd of family in the, in the waiting room, and you're just anticipating a call, the phone's supposed to ring, and we're just waiting and waiting, and, you know, it's been hours, and some of the family decides "Hey, we're going to go get lunch. And, and I was just like, I can't. I can't go eat lunch. I'm just so burdened and so worried. I just sat there in the waiting room with my Bible and just praying and just worried for my mom and just praying that God would intervene, praying for peace. I was just so overwhelmed by this reality of my mom is in surgery right now. What's this mean? I was just broken. Similar situation a couple weeks, I guess a couple months ago. I got a text from a buddy, and the text said, my sister's been in a car accident, please pray. And so all of a sudden I just start like, what in the world, like I didn't I didn't know anything. So I start just really concerned, I'm totally distracted from what I was doing, and uh, it wasn't long after I get a second text and it said, she didn't make it, please pray. And I just read that, and this is one of my bestest of friends in the world. I just wept. So, so broken for this brother. So broken. And the next day I got in the car, drove eight hours to be with him, and to just encourage him and love on him, and there was just so much sadness and sorrow and grief and pain and like, why? and Just this brokenness. And if you're conscious at all in life and you look around, what do you, what do you see? Brokenness, right? You see pain. You see distress. You see, Some of us are coming into this room today with just like, we're sitting here in this chair, but there's this thing going on in our world over here that just owns our life. Brokenness. It's all around. And what's interesting is when you look in, in Genesis When you look at the very beginning of the Genesis account, we understand that creation was absolutely perfect. No flaws, that there was this rhythm and this beat that flowed, and everything was great. Relationships were great. There was joy. There was no sorrow. There was no pain. Everything was perfect. Peace was present all over. And in, in the midst of God creating man and God giving man a choice... What happened like man chose to walk away from the, the design that God intended life to have, man chose to walk away from from what God originally intended, and here 's how life is to work and man's like no i 'm going to do it my own way, like I know better than you, God, so man began to walk out this plan, and really what what happens is all of a sudden, because of a choice of sin on man 's part in the very beginning, now life is broken, life is fractured, life has Very little rhythm, and it's broken. Since the very beginning of time, this was the reality corruption. And we face this today, right? There's a curse on man as a result of this sin that we face even today. And so, as a result of this sin, what do we see? We see car accidents, we see cancer. We see hearts that don't work like they're supposed to. We see marriages that don't function like God initially intended them to function. We see financial struggles. We see pain all around us and death all around us. And so, here's what's interesting. Tonight, and even in this Advent season, we're celebrating something. We're celebrating the coming peace Like that, even in the midst of all this, there's supposed to be a peace that's present. But how? Like, like how do we? How does that work? Like, how do we do that? Well, let's let's think about that for a second. I want to look at this from two perspectives. I want to look at this at what did it look like for the people in the Old Testament. Okay, and then I want to look at it as, what what does it look like for us? Because there's two different perspectives. One, the people are looking forward at what's to come, right? But for us, like, we're looking back at what already happened. So let's start with the first one. From the very beginning, obviously, you have the fall of man, right? And you have where sin comes into the world and but but even in the very beginning, did you? Re- I, don't, I don't know how well you know the Book of Genesis, but Genesis chapter three is the account where man falls and sin comes into the world. Check this out: in the very same chapter, Genesis three verse fifteen, God promises to make provision for the sin that just happened and just destroyed, in a sense. God's initial plan. In the very same chapter where it occurs, God already implements through His grace and mercy a plan to bring about a change in what had happened. And here, here's what it is. Like we've been around church at all, we're, we're familiar with this story that for these people then you see in the Old Testament a lot of lingo and a lot of talk and a lot of conversation and a lot of words talking about a Messiah. right? That one would come that would bring relief from sin okay that because sin is a direct offense against the holy god what happens like it has to be paid for right that there there's a penalty for sin and sin has to be atoned for right we're familiar with this right so so god in his grace and in his mercy says you know what a messiah is going to come and this messiah is going to be the one who comes and 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 takes what was torn apart by sin and restores the joy and restores the peace that was originally present in the beginning okay that he restores that but here's here's what's interesting imagine being present three four thousand years ago okay and what are what are you doing Like, you're looking. Like, people are are prophesying. The prophets of that day are like, Messiah's going to come. He's going to bring relief from your pain. He's going to bring relief from your sin. And and they're just like, where, where? They're they're in in anticipation. It's predicted, but all the while they're just like, they're not really sure. And they're looking, and they're looking, and they're looking in anticipation that one is going to come. So Isaiah, being one of those prophets, in chapter 9, Let's look at chapter, verse 2. He puts it like this. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the deep darkness, on them has light shined. So this prophet, he gives this prophetic description that because of the darkness of sin, a light is going to rise. Okay, because sin and wickedness and evil is so dark that in the midst of that, light is going to shine. Like hope is going to shine. Verse 3. says, You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Here's what he's saying. He's saying that in the midst of, of life just not working anymore because of sin is that, that there's going to be this Messiah that comes and eventually will bring restoration to what was broken. But he uses this example. And if you're familiar with the Bible, you'll, you'll key in on this. If you're not, let me tell you. In Judges chapter 6 and 7, you have this story of this young leader named Gideon. Okay, In Israel, is they're under the oppression of these people called the Midianites. Okay, and the Midianites, their army is thousands upon thousands upon thousands. And what God does with, with his army that Gideon's the leader of... He starts pulling people out. He starts pulling people out. He says, No, your army's too big. Your army's too big. And he gets the army down to the size of 300 people. And then with 300 people, he sends Gideon out to destroy the army of thousands. Like that's the illustration. That's the picture that he uses to illustrate that peace is coming. That, that, that's what he says in verse, in verse 4 so this picture of peace, this picture of this promised Messiah, the one that would come. Verse 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, There will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So what is this saying? Saying that that we see here in the Old Testament that there's a prediction that a a child's going to be born. Okay then it isn't just like this child like my wife's pregnant okay and so it's not just like hey just this really any old child is going to be born and we don't know if it's going to be a boy or a girl because we're not going to find out like that's what we're doing and it like people don't like that they're like how can you do that like i want to know it's interesting anyway um so it's not it's not just like just any old child like it's a prediction that god himself is going to come in the flesh okay in in, the, in a way that identifies with us, that we can identify with Him regarding what it means to be a human, what it means to be born as a child, is going to come. Okay? But not just come, there's going to be something that's going to happen. Did, did you notice the words where it says, and, and the government shall be upon His shoulders? Okay? And like in verse 7 there, and of the increase of, the, of His government and of peace, there will be no end. It describes Him as the Prince of Peace. Okay, so here's what it's saying. It's saying that through... Th- the Son of God becoming flesh, a kingdom is going to be started. Okay? The kingdom of God. Okay, where, where God will begin to restore what was broken, where God will begin to, to take the, the fracture in life and begin to restore it through, ultimately, this child growing up and becoming a man so that he may die a brutal death on the cross. And be raised again to life. That he's going to use that. As a means to restore what was broken. Like, just think about the, that language. The prince of peace. Like, so it's not just this like. He. It's not like he has a badge that says. In charge of peace. And he's going around and like. Bringing peace to situa- Like No like he is peace. Okay so, so that's. That's how it looked from the past. They're looking forward at what will come and what will transpire. Now, what about us? Okay, we're here in this day. And really, like, we're not looking forward to the birth of of a Savior. It already happened, right? So we're looking back at what happened 2,000 years ago at the birth of Christ, okay? But in the same sense, for the believer, okay, we're looking forward as well, are we not? Okay, because in a way that the first advent brought relief from sin, the second advent will bring relief from suffering. Okay, so in the midst of sitting in the waiting room and waiting and waiting and waiting and this burden for my mom, in the midst right now, I got a text from my buddy who said, this was yesterday, or this was Friday. He, he texted me, he said, Today's my sister's birthday. I cannot focus at work. Pray for me. Like, in the midst of those times, like, as a, a believer, as one who's put my hope in the cross of Christ to atone for what I did in offending a holy God, like, I have hope. In the fact that one day, what will happen? One day, I will be released from my pain and from my suffering. That's why the Bible says, so we do not grieve as those who don't have hope, but those who do have hope. In Colossians chapter 3, it will be up on the screen, Verse fifteen, and six, verse fifteen. Here's what it says. Paul identifies with this by saying, "Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful." So, this word peace, um, maybe maybe you've heard the word shalom before. Uh, in in Jewish cultures, the word shalom was a greeting, and oftentimes would carry the weight that the debt has been paid. Um, which is an unbelievable picture, but but the word the word peace also has this idea of being at ease or being unconcerned. Like, can you can you picture this? Like today, I was watching my daughter uh, who's about to turn two in February, and I was watching her, and like, there's no concern in her heart in, at all. Like, she just lives life joyfully. Like, she's not sitting around like, and I wonder how we're gonna handle this situation, and just burden it. like. There's, she's just at ease. Like, Have you ever watched the joy of a child? They're just like at ease. Like, that's, that's the weight that this word peace carries with it. That's it. So what's interesting is, as we look, think about this text here, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. So let me ask this question to you. What is it that rules in your heart? What is it that rules in your heart? Because this is like an imperative command. Like, let the peace of Christ rule. Like, when you think of the word rule, you think of like authority that has dominion. It controls you. So whatever controls you is what rules in your heart. Like, Is it worry? Like, does worry dictate who you are and what you do? Is it fear? Like, you lived... In the midst of fear, you succumb to fear, and so that guides and governs the steps you take, the choices you make, the things you do, the things you don't do. Maybe your kids rule your heart, so everything you do is is, is governed by that. I mean, you, you could put a lot of different things in here, but what is it that that rules? What is it that rules your heart? There's this quote by Max Lucado. Max Lucado is a Christian author. He says. What I have in God is better than what I don't have in life. Like, that, when we talk about the coming peace, like, that's what we're talking about. It's coming to this place of, like, what I have in God is better than what I don't have in my finances. Or what I have in God is better than what I don't have in my marriage. Or what I have in God is better than what I don't have in my job. Or what I don't have in my kids. Or what I don't have in my health. Because there's this verse in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14. That that here's what it says. It says, For He Himself is our peace. Okay, so, so... even now as you sit here, some of you are, are, are going, your, your mind's going here. It's going, i got to run after peace. i got to pursue peace. Peace has got to rule my heart. And so you know what? Like, don't make peace an idol. Like, that, that's a danger that we could have. Where we try to resolve everything on our own. And we run to situations we are like, i gotta, I got to resolve this, and i got to resolve this, and i got to do this, and i got to do this. No. Ephesians 2.14. He himself is our peace. So what do we do? Like, how do we let the peace of Christ rule in our heart? Relationship with him. Like, I'm blown away that the God of the universe, the same one who spoke the world into being, okay, the same one who's, who, who formed you and created you, the same one who's forming the child of Okay, that's, that's inside of my wife right now, that same God is the same God who wants to have relationship with us. So much that He came to earth and He died a, a horrific death so that, that the penalty that sin brings could be restored. It's paid for through Christ. So maybe you've spent so much of your energy trying to make yourself right with God and trying to create peace with God. like You can't do that. Or trying to resolve all these situations and atone for your own sin. Like you can't do that. And so tonight, what we celebrate is the fact that God came. And He lived the life I should have lived. He died the death I should have died. So that I might know Him and realize that what I have in God is so much better than what I don't have in life. And so that when I embrace relationship with Jesus by faith, there's hope that He's going to one day return Is going to one day completely lift you out of your suffering and your pain. So, we celebrate that. And we look for that. And we long for that. But even today, through relationship with God, he brings peace to our heart. That what I have in him is better than what I don't have in everything else so i'm going to read you two passages and i'm going to be done john chapter 16 verse 33 says i've said these things so that in me you may have peace in this world you will have tribulation take heart i've overcome the world so in me so he's like come to me you familiar with that passage? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, it says, do not be anxious about anything. Like, we do that so much, even this time of the year, we're so anxious, like, we gotta do this, and we gotta do this, and we gotta fix this. And he's like, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And check this out. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Like, have you experienced that? Have you experienced the peace of God to the point where you're just, like it surpasses all understanding, to in those moments of deepest grief in life, there's this peace that what I have in God Better than what I don't have in life, and you know what? It's so incredible that it's beyond comprehension. The peace of God, which transcends, surpasses all understanding, is what we're what we're here about. So we celebrate, and so whether you're a believer, you've put your faith in Christ, or whether like you're just not sure. That's there. What's our hope? What do we run to? Like, What's the answer? It's Him. Peace is found in Him. So that's where we run. Let's pray. God, I thank You so much that there's hope in this life. God, that our grief isn't for no reason. But God, in the midst of the trials that life brings, God, You offer a settledness. You offer relief. You offer safety. But God, how incredible is it that You make a way that I can have peace with You through relationship, through the death of Christ. I will never get that. I will never understand that. That I deserve the depths of hell and you and your mercy and in your love. You've saved me and you've given me yourself. God, what joy and what peace that brings when life is hard and life is hurting. So, God, would you bring peace into our hearts and our lives tonight in this season of Advent? In Christ's name, amen.